listeners. My name is Colin Drake, and this is the Peer Review, a subsidiary podcast of the Rough Draft. And I'm Artemis, and we are brought to you, published, and produced by the York Review. So, uh, Colin, what do you have for us today? Um, today, so this podcast is going to consist of a series of readings from the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass. Um, it's a powerful piece of um, an escaped slave and a very intelligent man. Uh, many of us read it um, either in high school, um, in college. Um, it, it's it's almost impossible to escape this piece in academia um, because it says a lot of an important time in American history. But we'll get more into that later. Um, just a quick summary um, of Frederick Douglass and his literacy and a little bit about his narrative. He, he was born a slave. He was born on a plantation but quickly sent to Baltimore to serve for his slave master's son. He was first taught to read by his master, his new slave master's wife, um, but quickly was, she was shut down and his lessons ended because it was it made slaves unmanageable. They, they just they realized that education Learning how to read um, would have been the the end of slavery, which honestly that, that was the point. Um, so after the lesson stopped there, Frederick Douglass ended up bartering food and other like playthings with local Baltimore um, kids for their reading materials and quick lessons on how to read. Um, and his literacy, he um, kept adapting and developing his literacy until he got to New Bedford and joined a church. And that's where his power of oratory of speaking really took off because he was able to, he had this public space where he could, he could get up and speak. Um, so yeah, that's really anything to add about Frederick Douglass. There's a lot more to his life, um, but I think it's important that we stay on track. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think there's anything else that I need to add. All right, cool. Um, so let's get right. I have some selected readings. The first um, is from the beginning um, of his childhood, where he discusses the closest thing to a relationship that he had with his mother. And it begins, I never saw my mother, to know her as such, more than four or five times in my life. And each of these times were very short in duration and at night. She was hired by Mr. Stewart, who lived about 12 miles from my home. She made her journeys to see me in at night, traveling the whole distance on foot after the performance of her day's work. She was a field hand and a whipping is the penalty of not being in the field at sunrise unless a slave has special permission from his or her master to the contrary a permission that they seldom get and one that gives him the proud name of being a kind master i do not recollect of ever seeing my mother by the light of day she was with me in the night she would lie down with me and get me to sleep but long before I waked, she was gone. Very little communication ever took place between us. Death soon ended that little we could have while she lived, and with it, her hardships and suffering. She died when I was about seven years old on one of my master's farms near Lee's Hill. I was not allowed to be present during her illness, at her death or burial. She was gone long before I knew anything about it, never having enjoyed to any considerable extent her soothing presence, her tender and watchful care, I received the tidings of her death with much the same emotions I should have probably felt for a stranger. So that's the end of our first part. 
Um, and I, I think the beauty of this little section is he, he, he brings forth family, right, in this sort of connection. And he shows the very intentful breaking of that, right? And I think this is important here, his sharing of this, because it, it's not the kind of thing we really we really talk about. You know, you, you hear about the slaves being put down, but you don't hear the beautiful stories of the mother traveling so far at night to, like, see her child, right? And I, I think that's something that's, like, escaped. Am I wrong? I could be wrong. Um, I no. feel like it's weird to call that a beautiful story that's that's true that's true i guess so i i'm i, don't, I think I'd, I'd say i'd say it's a little beautiful in that she like traveled to like i think there's there's beauty in his sharing of this i'm not saying it's some fantastic thing but but i think true beautiful honest literature has that that sort of honest kick behind it right like, like you can feel for it for this situation I, I feel like he wanted you to feel for it but i don't think that he wanted you to feel that it was beautiful i think that he wanted to show like the ugliness of slavery like he was torn away from his mother, this mother who he could only see at night, this mother who had to walk 12 miles just to, to work somebody's crop and to be whipped all day if she didn't get there on time, and then had to go 12 miles back just to see her child. And then he even says, like, he, you know, the little bit of time that he got with her, because imagine, you know, we didn't have cars back then, they didn't have scooters or anything, like, she wasn't Ubering, so, like, you know, at the end of the day, which was basically when it was too dark for slaves to work anymore, she had to walk 12 miles to get someplace. I mean, I, I think it's hard for people to imagine walking, like, one mile nowadays, yeah. because everyone has that's cars. That's true, that's true. Um, so imagine having to walk 12 miles to get home in the middle of the night, and then, and we're talking about it in the summer, too, so nighttime probably probably wasn't until like nine something yeah. eight nine o'clock now you've walked 12 miles it's probably like two in the morning you're gonna spend maybe an hour at home and it's the middle of the night too so this child is probably like really sleepy or yeah know, or this young man is probably sleeping because he's got to get up and do the same yeah. thing but at their place yeah no he's still a child here okay um, so yeah he's younger than seven so this child i mean he's gonna you know be tired so the few minutes that he's gonna get with his mother that night and then she's gotta you know quickly eat maybe baby like you know i mean it was slavery times back then they really didn't have much and then have to turn around and walk the 12 miles back there and to hope hope that she leaves early enough that she can get there before they start like the day's work so she doesn't get you know beat yeah okay so maybe beautiful i totally agree beautiful <laughs> wasn't the great word um and think about like the time this was put out and everything right. I, I do think he was definitely trying to show the ugliness here but i think there was also an effect of just showing at that time period um that african-americans the slaves like they, they still had this connect for family you mm -hmm. know what i mean she's like she didn't have to do all that and i i find her yearning to just be there right just let her son know that she is there you know that i, I find that to be another sort of powerful aspect of this source short selection you know what i mean he's kind of telling the world the country you know what i mean like look at this dirtiness of slavery what everyone has to go through but he's also kind of showing like the spirit of african-americans at that time yeah <laughs> you disagree it's cool dude like uh, i i kind of see it differently a little bit differently i mean no and that's that's fair so here's the thing i i totally agree with you i think that i think that the way he writes it is very beautiful like it's very mm -hmm. pretty it paints it doesn't paint an ugly picture for an ugly situation mm -hmm. like it sounds nice mm -hmm. But then when you actually read it and then you really think about it, it is a pretty, pretty situation. Terrible. Like, it, yeah. it's bad. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if she... I don't know. That's true. We don't really know much about the mother, right? So, like, like, yeah. that's what I'm thinking. Like, I wonder if sh her coming back every night is because... 
she wants to be with him, or if she comes back every night because if she doesn't, she's going to get, like, murdered. Yeah. You know? That's true. We don't know the full story here. Because she's owned by this other family, but she works for another family. Mm-hmm. So, and that's not to say, like, his mother didn't care about him or love him, because we don't know. Mm-hmm. But it could also not necessarily have been like, you know, oh, I can't wait to see my child, but more like, you know, it, it's nighttime now, and I need to get back to my master, and then I have to yeah. go back to my second master in the morning, and... Yeah. In between then, I actually get to see my children. Yeah, well, I think she went somewhere else. Yeah, so she was bought by Mr. Stewart on another plantation, right? So she didn't, like, have to get back at night to see her son. She, like, chose to. That could have been for any reason, like you said. We don't know the full story here. And this could have been a lot uglier than it's painted here. Just by being bought doesn't mean that she necessarily was, like, owned by. So, like, he might buy her for the labor. Yeah. Right, yeah. but she might still be owned by the actual original slave. Mm-hmm. So, like, imagine if you have a plantation where you have like a small field, but a lot of slaves, mm-hmm. and so you don't need all of them. But now you can like, like send them, them to yeah, yeah somebody else, and then they can use them, but still pay you. Okay, that or makes trade sense. you when like you know maybe you make tobacco and they make cotton. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, cool. So that then that's that's something very true. This is like Douglas's perspective. A younger than seven-year-old Douglas's perspective. So I, I think there is an ugliness that's that's like missing here, and, and I, I think that's very perceptive of you to like grab that. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah. I I also think that like I like how I like your understanding of it as it being like beautiful mm-hmm. because I I think that like when you think about something as as horrible as like slavery or something, mm-hmm. you try to grab onto like the better parts of it. And it's, it's really true. hard because, like, you think, like, what was good about slavery? And there's nothing, really. But, yeah. like, I mean, but you do have these amazingly strong people that came out of it who, you know, like, just African-American in general, but, like, you know, great artists and writers and just people in history in general. And, yeah, some of the history is crap, but then, like, moving forward as they, you know, gain their... I don't even say humanity because they've always been humans, but I yeah. mean, they were never, at that they're, point, they weren't even thought of as humans. Yeah. Like, they were like two thirds like of a human or something. For, that, that was like after. That was when they were allowed to, like, vote. Yeah. Yeah. So. Now, that's a whole nother. That's, let's, let's yeah, stay that's, out of that. <laughs> um, but I mean, so, you know, eventually, even after the slavery process, when they did become, you know, people and they, they were able to vote or get housing or, you know, start to go to school, and even though it was still difficult for them you still have them coming from this place of strength so it it is interesting to see like that to look at it from another side besides like doom and gloom yeah and and i'm really into just the difference here like i wouldn't be nearly as interested in this piece if it was just like some middle class middle class suburban family like oh i'm like cuddling my child at night right like congrats i don't care like how hard is that right (laughs) um so by beauty, I, I think I what I was really grasping at was sort of uniqueness, you know, what yeah. I mean, of this story. You know right. what I mean? Like kind of why I chose the passage was that it it presents motherhood in a very different light. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, there's like a whole other way to really look at this, you know. All right. So let's take a look at our next piece here. Um, and it, be- it comes from a very introspective moment of the narrative. Douglas describes himself um, on Sundays overlooking, like he gets a little bit of downtime, and he describes himself 
on a hill under a tree overlooking the Chesapeake, what I believe was the Chesapeake Bay. Um, and, and just seeing like all the ships and the sails from, from all over the place, he couldn't possibly like really fathom the, the distance that these ships have come from or the distance that they're going to. And this is his, what he calls, um, a, a rude crying out. I, I believe it was, um, his rude complaint rather, um, to God and just generally the atmosphere about his situation. Um, and in it, it is a quote. He puts it in his narrative as quotes as if he would actually be belting this out into the pretty much at the Chesapeake Bay. And it begins. You are loose from your moorings and are free. I am fast in my chains and am a slave. You move merrily before the gentle gale and I before the bloody whip. You are freedom's swift-winged angels that fly around the world. I am confined in bands of iron. Oh, that I were free. Oh, that I were on one of your gallant decks and under your protecting wing. Alas, betwixt me and you, the turbid waters roll. Go on, go on. Oh, that I could also go. Could I but swim, if I could but fly. Oh, why was I born a man of whom to make a brute? The glad ship is gone. She hides in the dim distance. I am left in the hottest hell of unending slavery. Oh, God, save me. God, deliver me. Let me be free. Is there any God? Why am I a slave? I will run away. I will not stand it. Get caught or get clear. I'll try it. I had as well die with the fever. I have only one life to lose. I had as well be killed running as die standing. Only think of it. 100 miles straight north and I am free. Try it. Yes, God helping me, I will. It cannot be that I shall live and die a slave. I will take to the water. This very bay shall yet bear me into freedom. The steamboat steered in a northeast course from North Point. I will do the same, and when I get to the head of the bay, I will turn my canoe adrift and walk straight through Delaware into Pennsylvania. When I get there, I shall not be required to have a pass. I can travel without being disturbed. Let but the first opportunity offer, and come what will, I am off. Meanwhile, I try to bear up under the yoke. I am not the only slave in the world. Why should I fret? I can bear as much as any of them. Besides, I am but a boy, and all boys are bound to someone. It may be that my misery and slavery will only increase my happiness when I get free. There is a better day coming. And that ends his dialogue um, to the Chesapeake Bay as I read it. And I'm particularly a fan of this piece um, because it feels so real to me, so honest. And you can see this sort of transisting of his cognition where he gets this, this faint idea, this faint wishing for freedom and his yearning for it. And you can just kind of see him in his language, like fade back down into that, like, I'm not the only slave, like, like just kind of swallow it. It's my lot I've been given, right? And, and, and I 
I, I just think it's interesting to see that sort of, it feels like a very real reading to me. Um, how do you feel, Artemis? Do you think that at the end he was saying, when he talks about how he's not the only slave, that he's, he's accepting his lot in life as a slave? Or do you think he's maybe saying, like, because I'm not the only slave, I can't be the only person who feels this way? Right? So 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 I've thought about that, and that line really sticks out to me. Um, so, so the phrase, um, I, I think important, I am not the only slave in the world. Um, why should I fret? I can bear as much as any of them. Right? So, I'm sorry, what was your question? So I'm saying, like, do you think that he's saying, like, that he's kind of accepting the fact that he's a slave? Or do you think that he's saying something more like, because I'm not the only slave, I can't be the only person who feels this way? So it's, for me, when I hear the one line, uh, why should I fret? I can bear as much as any of them. To me, that sounds like a very sort of, like, that's the kind of thing I tell myself when I'm at work and I really want to go home, but I'm like, oh, like, I gotta stay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, when I read it, it sounds like it almost giving up, which surely he didn't do. You know what I mean? The end of the narrative is his freedom. Um, but in this specific piece, that's how I read it. Um, like, like, what do you, like, what do you think? What are your thoughts? A big thing for me is, to be honest, I don't really understand the phrase. I will try and bear up under the yoke, which comes right before that. I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on, on that piece? From here, he's saying, you know, once I get to Pennsylvania, I, I can because it's free land, I can do whatever. I'm um, in the first opportunity I get, I'm gone. And then it switches back to like, but in the meantime, you know, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I guess bear up under the yoke is this some sort of expression that we don't understand now. Yeah, it's definitely like an 18 before. I, I think about eggs, and I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, pardon? Could maybe? be. Like, maybe. Like, har- like, like the shell. Under, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, So it's interesting when you say, like, when you think about this, you think about working. And my thought, again, is, so if you're thinking at work, like, man, I really just want to go home, don't you think the other people at your job are thinking the same thing? Absolutely. That is so true. Um, yeah, so, so that's definitely an interesting read here, yeah. All right. And that's something I haven't really considered, yeah. And so even though you might resign yourself to the fact that, like, ah, oh, goddammit, I have to finish this job, like, you know, I, I mean, he's, you know, yeah. damn, I'm a slave, like, but he's probably also saying, so it could be both, it could be like, you know, yeah, I am a slave, but there are a lot of other slaves out there, and a lot of right. them probably feel the same way I do. And so a lot of them might look at this, you know, beautiful scenery, the boats, they might see, you know, we're in Maryland, we're like a hop, skip, and a jump from freedom. Yeah, I think it was literally a day trip for him to, like, eventually get to freedom. He just, like, hopped on a boat, put on a sailor's uniform. Right. It was just a day. Um, so, you know, it's so close. Um, and, you know, there are so many, I mean, it's Maryland, so there's so many slaves there, too, that surely some of them have the same feeling. Surely some of them have thought the same thing. Like, you know, get on one of these boats and just go north, and then you're free. Yeah. Or, you know, journey north, and, you know, once you get into Pennsylvania, you're good. Yeah. And I think that reading... Not necessarily good, but, I mean, yeah. you're, you're closer. Yeah. And, and I think that understanding of this passage makes a lot of sense too when you look at the very last line there is a better day coming right yeah. so, so if you kind of look at it the way i said it that line sort of stands out right and, and and yeah i think when you look at it the way you said it, it makes a lot more sense that last line because for me there was sort of this wave of like hopefulness and then like down mm-hmm. sort of accepting his lot but then that last line is like a little bump again yeah you know which i enjoy reading it that way i always have but but the way you're like understanding this i think like makes that line mean so much more mm-hmm. like that particular line see he's he is acknowledging other slaves
plays and he's kind of like, I'm going and I'm carrying you with me, you know? And that's sort of the good thing about literature. Like, there's no right answer. Like, unless we, like, go to him and ask him, which we can't do, obviously. Yeah. But if we could, then, you know, and even he probably would be like, you know, when I was writing it, it probably meant one thing. Now to me, it means something else. So, that's like, true. That is so true. Once it's on paper, it's... Yeah, it's, it's really up to anybody's interpretation. So what you think, what I think, what anybody who heard this thinks, I mean, there's no wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Unless you're like, he, you know, was talking about aliens or something. And then maybe <laughs> that might be the wrong answer. Yeah. But, like, yeah. beyond that, there's really no, like, definitive answer as to what he meant. So yeah. it's really how you interpret it. And so if you were to interpret it as maybe, you know, it's him discovering that this is, like, his position in life, you know, then and that will give you something from the reading, something different than what I would get. So, like, I'm thinking of it in the, the more positive way, I guess, of, like, you know, there are others in the situation that feel the same way, so maybe that gives him hope or that, that allows him to think that, you know, if I'm not the only one, then maybe I'll have help along the way or something like that. Yeah, which he did end up getting. He met a free woman um, who ended up, like, helping him get on that boat to make that one-day trip freedom. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, so that totally did help. And if you think about, like, his what happens when he gets free, he puts so much time and effort, obviously, into abolition movements. Right. And so so, it, so that all makes sense looking at um, the future of, of this man. Um, real quick, if I could just address this. So I'm a big 1800s guy. I just like this, like, short, choppy, hyper-dramatic sort of thing. So how do you feel about this sort of, like, um, these, like, short, oh, but if I could swim, oh, but if I could fly, right? That's sort of, like, almost, like, overly, what is it, verbose, I think? Just sort of, like, how do you feel about it? Personally, I'm a big fan. I don't know why. <laughs> it, it just, I don't know, it rings well to me. How, like, how do you feel about that? I think it's interesting. I think if you think about how they spoke then and how we spoke now, it's very similar. So, like, if you were angry about something, you wouldn't just go on, like, really long sentences and draw out in detail. It would be, like, really short, choppy sentences. That's true, yeah. Like, I'm gonna kill them. I'm gonna go, like, slash their tires. I'm gonna run over their dog. Like, you know, it's not gonna be, like, one day I'm going to slowly but surely get apples from a field and crush up the apple seeds (laughs) so that I can get the cyanide from inside of them. And then, (laughs) after years of boiling it down to very concentrated... Like, no one's gonna do that, right? Like, like, super, like long elongated style yeah that's very true and I feel like at that point that's what he's doing he's doing like you know especially when he's like um, yelling to God like yeah we do the same thing we just don't have the O before it yeah god damn it right Right. (laughs) like yeah yeah. or like God like why Why? like help me like what like give me something to deal with these people like kind of yeah, that's yeah. so very true. I, um, a lot of times when we look at this, when I look at this, when other people, I think, look at this, like, we don't really relate it to our current, mm-hmm. like, we don't see the relation to how we currently write and speak, and you're right. right, like, this is very similar, right? You can see when he's getting most excited, emotional during this, is yeah. when it gets choppy, and that's totally how we talk, Right? you know what I mean? Um, so, so, that's so interesting, that might be, like, a big piece of why this is, like, a go-to emotional type sexual go Fantastic. That's a research paper right there for anybody yeah, listening. We should always point that out too. Like these are research paper opportunities. Absolutely. Like, yeah, we're we're feeding this community. Yeah. Um also <laughs> I, I don't know. I might just look into that. Dibs, honestly. No, I'm kidding. You can beat me to it. I'm very slow, so you could beat me to it. Listen. All right. Thank you, listeners. Um that was the end of our first um peer review reading session. Um, thank you for listening and see you next time. Yeah, yeah. Oops. So that's uh that's the end. Dun 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 <laughs> Thank you.